So, what do you think happens when you pray? When a person prays? Is there anything happening? Is it all taking place in here and in here? Or does God listen to people when they pray? What do you think? Uh, does God do things when people talk to him in prayer? Does he do something with it? I don't know where you are on the spectrum of uh, how you believe about this, but uh, what would your life be like if you could uh, not only pray if you don't pray right now, but if you could maybe even increase the effectiveness of your prayers, if you could take them up a level, would that do some big things in your life? I think for a lot of people it might. And what I want us to look at today is an account of a true prayer that was prayed, and it was a very powerful prayer in the life of the church, and it received a phenomenal response. So if you've got a Bible, would you go ahead and find Acts chapter 4? We've been looking through Acts at just how do we take our lives from here to here? How do we level up in our faith? And if you're newer to faith and you're just starting to explore Jesus, this is a great place to start. If you already have been a Christian for a while and you're just thinking there's probably more to it than what I've experienced so far and what I'm doing, this is a great series as well. We're continuing uh, an account that actually started last week that we started looking at. And we're gonna start in Acts chapter four, verse 23. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers, told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And we'll look at the prayer in just a moment, but we're going to go ahead and skip down to verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. And that's why I say this was just a phenomenal prayer experience. Have you ever prayed and you had an earthquake because you prayed? Me neither. And if you said yes, I want to hear that story for sure. They literally had the place they were praying shaken. There may have been as many as thousands of them there together praying this prayer. And I think, wow, I would like to pray a prayer that got that kind of response. And you might think, well, I don't know that I'd want an earthquake. That feels scary. I don't think when we look at the whole context of what was happening there, I don't think they saw it as scary at all. It was to them an affirmation like God is saying, oh man, I hear you praying right now. I see you and I am with you and I am empowering you and whatever it is that you thought was gonna be such a horrible thing, God says, like, I've got it covered. I heard your prayer and it's gonna be okay. So I want us to look at and zoom out just a little bit about what was it that led up to this powerful prayer and this response from God? Because I believe, and I've been looking through this, there's some things I'm already learning and experiencing and uh, imitating myself. There's some things that can help us level up in our praying, praying. And so to get the context, this prayer actually started 24 hours earlier. Three in the afternoon, one day, Peter and John were going to the temple in Jerusalem for prayers, afternoon prayer time. Now, if we zoom back just a little bit further, this is just maybe a few months after Jesus died on the cross on Friday, rose on Sunday, spent 40 days appearing to the apostles and showing them that he was alive to hundreds of people to show them he was alive. And then he ascended to heaven. And then on uh, the first Sunday in June, Pentecost Sunday, the church began, the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 people were baptized. This is maybe months after that. Peter and John are still in Jerusalem. They're heading to the temple uh, to pray. And as they were heading in, there's another guy being brought in. He couldn't walk. He hadn't been able to walk for decades. And he was just going to be sat down there so he could beg for money from all the people who were coming in to worship and say their prayers. And so this leper just kind of, or the leper, um, the paralyzed man, just says to Peter and John, hey, can I have some money? But he didn't really look at him. He was just kind of saying to everybody, can I have some money? And Peter and John are like, look at us. Make eye Look, we don't have any money, dude. And he's like, why'd you stop then? He said, but we got something better. How about you can walk? 
And they grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up, and the power of Jesus healed this man who'd been 40 years without the ability to walk, and his feet were healed, his legs were healed. He starts walking around, something he hasn't maybe done for his whole life. Then he starts realizing, I can actually walk, and he starts running around, making a scene with all these thousands of people coming into the temple area to worship, and then he starts jumping in the air and shouting and praising God. Thousands of people now are watching. Peter has never seen a crowd that he didn't want to preach to, so he's just like, here, let me just tell you guys what's happened here. This is Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity, told you, and he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, what's so surprising about this? Why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? No, it's through the faith in the name of Jesus this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. They'd seen him for decades. Now, and Peter just says, look, here's what you need to do with this. Acts three nineteen. Repent of your sins. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Times of refreshing can come from the Lord. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. And as Peter's preaching, he just goes on and on. People are like, hey, this sounds awesome. Show me to the baptistry. I want to get in the water. I want to be immersed into Jesus Christ. And 2,000 more men accepted Christ. And it didn't even include the women and children. It was just a phenomenal thing here. And this should have just been, and they all lived happily ever after. But you know that's not how things end. And if you were here for the message last week, you know that. And, and if you uh, missed it, feel free to go back and watch it at connectionchristian.org. But uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 1, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guards, some of the Sadducees, and these leaders were very disturbed. Peter and John were teaching through Jesus, there's a resurrection from the dead. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be healing people in the name of Jesus. This is, this is not right. And uh, I'm like, what? How do you get mad at a man being healed? No good deed goes unpunished. It reminds me of something that happened out in Colorado a few years ago. Two teenage girls one night decided, hey, you know what our neighbors need? Chocolate chip cookies. And I wish that was their neighbor because I love chocolate chip cookies. They're like, let's bake, na- make, bake cookies for our neighbors. We'll write little notes of encouragement and deliver them. They got permission from their parents, and that's what they did. So they're out there that night knocking on people's doors, giving the cookies, giving the notes. Everyone was thrilled, except there's always one Karen in every neighborhood, right? She didn't answer her door, but she took him to small claims court. She said because the action of them knocking on her door gave her such a panic attack. She thought she had a heart attack, went to the ER the next day. She didn't. She just had an anxiety attack, which I understand. But then she decided to sue these two girls for the cost of her court, plus punitive damages and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And I'm like, what? How do you say, like, it's a bad thing to bring chocolate chip cookies to people? It's just, okay, so anyway, one of the girls took the high road. She wrote a note. She said, I didn't realize this would cause trouble for you. I just wanted you to know someone cared about you and your family. What were Peter and John supposed to do? Are bad that we healed this guy? Should they write a note to the Jewish leaders? We're really sorry we made that man healed. So it's not the healing per se, and you and I know that. It's the name that they used to do it. These are the same guys a few months ago who were so offended by Jesus that they put him through a series of illegal trials and handed him over to the Gentiles to be killed. They're trying to tamp out this Jesus movement every way they can because they're threatened by Jesus. They're jealous of Jesus. He's bad for business. So they thought they got rid of Jesus. Nope, he's still around. There's this story of him raising from the dead and his followers are out there telling everybody and they're doing miracles, which you would say, isn't this like your tipping point where you go, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I should be accepting Christ myself. Nope. They're like people standing at the edge of the ocean trying to keep the tide from coming in. Good luck with that. You're going to keep this Jesus movement from growing? Look at us 2,000 years later. It did not work, but they thought they could. 
So they are trying desperately to get Peter and John to quit talking about the, the name of Jesus. So they gave them a stern talking to. Chapter 4, verse 18. They called the apostles back in the next day. They spent the night in jail. And they commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus again. But Peter and John are like, okay, so let's just do the math here. You want us to listen to you rather than God? You want us to listen to you instead of the one who raised Jesus from the dead? I don't think so. You guys do what you need to do. You know, you're the boss. You're in charge. But we're going to keep doing what we need to do. We're not going to stop talking about Jesus. Well, that puts the leaders in a really difficult, awkward spot. Because what do you do? The whole world saw this guy healed. They're giving glory to God. They know Peter and John did a good thing. So they're like, okay, we can't kill them. Because then they'll riot and we'll be in trouble. So they're like, they threatened them further with lots of punishment. And they said, stop it. Peter and John are like, no. And they let them go at this time. That's the context. There's a powerful miracle, a night in jail, a threat-filled hearing. And now Peter and John are walking out of that meeting. Where do they go? We read it at the beginning. They went straight to the church. They went straight to prayer. Now, I want us to look at this prayer because this is a, I am so glad that someone wrote down this prayer that got prayed in that church service that day. It is a next level prayer. And uh, we're gonna walk through it. I'm gonna show you why I think that. Acts 4, 24. When they heard the report, all the believers, now there's over 5,000 of them now, lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles, the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. <laughs> but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus and they're like saying, we don't care what they say, Lord. We only care what you think. We're going to keep doing what we need to do. God, you keep doing what you need to do. And God said, I'm so much with you in this prayer right now. Here, I'm going to shake this place so that you know I heard you and I see you and I'm with you and it's going to be okay because there's nothing that those people can do to you. And when I look at this prayer, I just think, wow, there's some things that you and I could do here that could really take our lives and our praying up a level. And there's four things. It's like a master class in praying. So if you're new to praying, just understand this is some stuff that you can immediately put into use and it will help you. If you've been praying for a while, these are some things that you would certainly do well to pay attention to. First thing that I see about a next level prayer is that it's prayed together. You saw that the whole church came together and prayed. And this might be a little bit, you know, like, um, I don't know, not contradictory to you, but it might catch you off guard because you might be thinking, I thought prayer was like an individual thing between me and God. Isn't it like something you're supposed to do privately? And didn't like Jesus even say that? And I, if you're thinking that, you're probably thinking about a teaching Jesus gave that's told to us in Matthew 6. I think it's down in verse 6. Jesus said, when you pray, because he assumes if you're his follower, you are going to pray. You're going to talk to God. But he says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And you're like, Jesus said pray privately. But you're saying we should pray together publicly? What's the deal? I think we need to take a, a moment just to address this. Because there is a moment in time where you should be praying for yourself by yourself daily the context jesus was talking about when he's teaching about prayer was you need to be really careful that you don't use your prayers as a way to show off religiously 
You know, your prayer time is not a way to impress people with how holy you are. You don't want to go on and on and on so people know you're really religious. That's what Jesus was really aiming at. He says, you're going to pray. You need to pray. Just find a place where you'll be undistracted, that you can just talk to God about the things that really matter to both of you. At the same time, Jesus is not contradicting himself because Jesus actually prayed in front of his disciples. So he's, just understand its context and its purpose and its motive. And obviously the church got together and prayed together in a large group and God was okay with that. There's just something powerful about talking to God in a group. When you're talking with people and for other people, when it's done for the right reasons, it's just powerful to know you're in a group of people who are in agreement with you and you're talking to the Heavenly Father about things that you all care about. Just imagine how that must have felt for Peter and John. You go like, they're apostles. They're like bulletproof. That none of, they're Teflon. None of the stuff that was thrown their way at that court case really bothered them I don't know there had to have been a little acid in their stomach out of that because these are the people those leaders were the ones they grew up respecting those were the ones their parents told them these are the godly men and I mean there's part of their brain now that knows that godly supposedly godly men did some really bad things but that had to have hurt them a little bit on some level to be in a hearing being told you better stop or else to come back to a place where everyone believes the way you do and everybody cares about you and you're talking to God together about what just happened, that had to feel really good. There's just something about, like if you have something on your heart that is really bothering you or something you're struggling with, just to come together with other people and to say, can we pray about this together? Things that we all care about and we just want to have alignment before God. And sometimes you need to be praying by yourself, but sometimes you need to pray with other people. Now, I do need to maybe clear the air a little bit here because... Um, Maybe it's just me, and I'm just talking to myself right now, but you may actually have little twinges of um, panic about praying in a group for various reasons. Maybe it makes you feel nervous, or maybe you had some really bad experiences praying in a group. I'm literally thinking of some of the times when I was a kid where there were like group prayers, and the first thing that pops in my head when you say, we're going to pray as a group, I just think boring, and here's why, before you judge me. Just imagine being fifth or sixth grade Brian, who already has a hard time paying attention. I'm at church camp junior high, whatever. It's Thursday night. It's the last night before we're going to go home. And the faculty has this wonderful idea as we're out at the final campfire, 10 o'clock at night, that we're going to have a group prayer time. You know, a hundred campers and all the faculty are going to circle around the campfire because it's already 90 degrees and the humidity is 90%. So that's a great idea right there. And then they want us to hold hands. Is there a fifth or sixth grade boy in the world that wants to hold hands with somebody else? A dude on either side of me and we're slathered up with sunblock and off and our hands are sweaty and you know okay getting the picture here and then I loved God but I found myself counting stars and counting the number of people who were praying and doing the math if they each pray for 30 seconds so we're not going to get to do the midnight swim oh, I'm sorry God I'm supposed to be praying to you and then I'm realizing oh no it's gonna be my turn and everybody's already said all the good things what am I going to say and pretty soon you know you're like squeezing hands with the guys next to each just like who can squeeze harder and then you're like no no not, it's not a contest it's my turn to pray oh no so I'm just saying if you flinch a little bit when you're thinking about praying in a group understand I'm there with you and if you're like really good at praying for hours if you get up at three in the morning and pray till seven in the morning I'm not judging you either but that's not me and so if that's unholy for a pastor to say that um, okay but if you've had some experiences of praying in a group where you fell asleep or you just didn't know like what am I doing here it's okay just keep in mind in my experience I'll just tell you this too I've been in group experiences where we've prayed and I just felt like God was right there I mean, he was. It's not like he wasn't already there, but just I felt it. 
And somebody in the group would just say something so simply and just so honestly and just with such purity. And I just get goosebumps about, like, how did you know what I needed to say, but you said it better? There's just something powerful when we come together and pray together. And maybe you, this is something you need to think about and take your prayers up a level is just to say, hey, I need to pray with someone. I need to pray for someone. I need to be available for that and to, to be open to what God might want to do through this. So I would just tell you, if uh, this is maybe something that you feel like this is an area where you need to grow in, one of the other things I would encourage you with is don't get discouraged if you're in a group and you feel like, I've got nothing to say. A prayer is supposed to be just a simple, honest conversation between you and God, and when you're with other people, you just include them too, but just talk like you talk to me or other people. You don't have to come up with different words. There's no secret language that you have to use in order for God to listen to you. He just wants you to talk to him like you would talk to your dad, with respect, um, with the humbleness to just say, I need some things, to tell him honestly what you're struggling with as if he doesn't already know it, just to be very honest with God and just say, we're here together, and God, we're just talking to you about what we all care about. And maybe that's something that could help you take up your prayers a level. So I was just talking to one of our Connection Christian family members this week, and, and it, so she said something that was really cool, and I asked her if I could share it with you, and she said it would be fine. She said her extended family has this thing where they go to a restaurant, they, they'll do like what I talked about last week, they'll pray for their food, but they take it to the next level. They'll tell their server, hey, we're gonna pray for our food in a minute, and is there anything we could pray for you about? And I'll say right now, because you're kind of thinking it maybe. They don't make it weird. They don't say like, can we pray with you right now in the middle of the restaurant? I know you've got 10 tables to take care of it. No, they don't make it weird. They just tell the waiter or the waitress and just see what happens. They have literally never had someone say no or be weirded out by it. They have always had somebody say, yes, would you just say a prayer for? And some of them even got very emotional. Like, oh man, I just found out a family member's got cancer this week. Would you pray for them? I just found out my student loans are bigger than I thought they were, and I'm not sure how I'm going to pay for them. And it's been my experience, too, when I've offered to pray with or for people and just say, hey, next time I'm praying, can I pray for that? Literally, no one's ever refused me. Even people who say, I don't believe in God, they'll just say, eh, I don't believe in God, but it can't hurt. Go ahead. There's just something powerful when you say, I will talk to the God of the universe about something that you and I care about. Maybe that's where you take your prayers up a level. And speaking of that, here's another thing I would say is if you want to take your prayers up a notch, in your prayer, remember who it is you're talking to. The believers did that. Right at the start, they said, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, which again is how Jesus taught us to pray. You go back to Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And you may even be able to say this with me. Our Father who in heaven, hallowed be what are you doing right there? Are you not in your very first moment of your prayer saying who it is you're talking to? Again, let me just go ahead and say what you might be thinking. Does he not know? <laughs> Why do we have to say nice things to God when we start praying? Oh, I know people like that. You got to say something nice so you can get what you want later, right? Is that what's going on? No, 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 no. There's something about when you pray a prayer and start by talking about who it is you're talking to that sets the context. God doesn't need to be reminded that he created the, oh yeah, I forgot I made you guys. There you are. Oh yeah, I am the one who created the heavens and the earth and sea and everything. No, who forgets? We do. When we start a prayer like this, it reminds me and it reminds you who it is I'm talking to. And it's not like God needs to know that. He has already got perfect knowledge but I need to remember 
just how good and just how powerful and just how capable this, this God is that I'm talking to. And so when I start praying like that, everything else that follows starts with the idea that he is God. It's so easy to be sitting here in the United States 2,000 years later and look back at what the church was going through in those early moments where there were a lot of threats against them and go, they made it. They didn't know how the movie was going to end. <laughs> I mean, they did they, because Jesus told them, but they, they just had to experience it one moment at a time. There was just something so powerful to just say, you know what, we've heard some threats from the most powerful leaders in our country, but God, you are more powerful. And so we're gonna put their threats in the context of who you are. And if I could coach you to do anything in your prayers, it would be to learn from this Bible who God is because it will improve your prayers. The more you know about God, the more you will know the kinds of things you should be asking God for. You'll know the kind of things he's already inclined to say yes to before you even ask. You're gonna know what he's capable of and what kinds of things he's done before so you know what to ask him to do again. There's just something so powerful about knowing that all-powerful God can help you and to acknowledge that right up front in your prayer. Think about it this way. Like, imagine you were at someone's house and they said, you know what? I'm getting kind of hungry. I think it's time for dinner. Can I make you something for dinner? I think I'm gonna eat something. Now, if you're like me, I don't want to put people out. I don't want to inconvenience them. And then just add another level, I don't want to embarrass them. So I'm not going to ask for something really hard for dinner if I don't know what they're capable of cooking. So I'm probably going to go, yeah, I like cereal for dinner. You can't screw that up. And grilled cheese. But what if you're at the home of world-famous barbecue restaurateur Aaron Franklin, Austin, Texas? I'm asking for the brisket. And you say, well, brisket's one of the hardest things to smoke. I don't care. The man has proven that he can create world-class brisket barbecue. I have no qualms about asking Aaron Franklin for something as complex as that because I know he's capable of it. When you're praying to Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth, what are you going to ask God to do that he can't handle? What kind of situation are you going to talk to him about that he can't figure out a solution for? What kinds of things does he not care about that you're going through? You see what I'm saying? There's something powerful about knowing who it is you're talking to and asking that God to get to work for you. Here's another thing I would tell you if you just want to take up your prayers in this level is just as you're asking God for things, just write it down. Jot it down in your phone. Write it down on a piece of paper. You will be amazed over time as you go back to those things you prayed about just to see what God said yes to, how he helped you. Maybe he didn't say immediately, but he said yes eventually. You just need to, to realize. Now, there's two last things I want to look at in this prayer as I kind of wrap this up. There's another thing that they did that so well is they asked for boldness in their prayer. Oh, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. I, I'm being really transparent with you all today. I don't know, but if I were praying that prayer, I don't know that I would have said, Lord, hear their threats and give me boldness. I think if I'm being honest, I would have said, Lord, hear their threats and give me a place to hide. And, Lord, give me a, give me a ticket to Ecuador because they got great beaches there and good food and the dollar is their currency and, you know, because this is scary. No, they're like, it's dangerous. They didn't ask to get taken out of it. They just asked, help us be bold. And let me ask you this. When do you need boldness? Is it when you're going to Disney? Well, maybe you do, actually. <laughs> See, I'm going to chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I need boldness. No. You need boldness when you're going into dangerous situations that you don't know how they're going to turn out. And, but yet you still want to stick it out and persist and do the right thing anyway. Because when you're scared, you can ask God for boldness. Uh, maybe it's just my personality type, but I just don't think of that. Maybe I read too many Stephen King novels when I was a kid. I can't get up the basement stairs fast enough. Thank you, Stephen King, for that. Um, 
But I will say, how many of you check behind the opaque shower curtain when you go in the bathroom? Pretty sure 75% of my household checks behind the downstairs bathroom shower curtain. Make sure there's nobody behind it. Anybody else? Maybe you should pray for boldness before you go into the restroom. I don't know. Maybe there's some situations in your world that you would rather avoid, but maybe you're just realizing you're not going to be able to, and you just need to ask the Lord to give you boldness. Maybe you need, because in a group this size, I already know, statistically speaking, the way things are going in America, a lot of us are dealing with anxiety. And maybe the, the only thing that you're going to be able to do to get over this, you're, you're doing everything you should do. You're going to the doctor, you're talking to people, whatever you need to do. But maybe you just need to also be praying to the Lord for some boldness to counteract that fear. There's great courage in asking for that because you understand, and I understand, the world is a dangerous place. And things aren't, in some ways, going real well right now in a lot of ways in a lot of places. And we can ask God just to take us out of it or we can ask God to make us bold. We can maybe even ask God to make us dangerous. That the the people who are threatening God maybe actually are kind of afraid of the light switch being turned on. Maybe some of that is just what we need to do, just to be people who just continue, as Peter and John were, just telling the truth. That's literally all they got in trouble for, healing a guy and telling the truth about how it happened. And people just wanted to stay in darkness. They didn't want their bad deeds uncovered. They didn't want their motives to be revealed. Maybe all we need to do is just pray for boldness to just continue to tell people the truth. People maybe don't want to hear it, but at some point will thank us because we're just going to continue to say, this is the truth, this is what's real, this is, this is what God is and what God says is going to be. And I just love you too much to not tell you what I've experienced and what I've seen and what I've heard. And there's this one last thing I want to talk about because this is so powerful that the church did this. They prayed for miracles. And you might think, well, that's cool. 2,000 years ago, they had those things. We don't have those miracles. That, miracles don't happen anymore, Brian. I don't know. I'm just wondering because they said, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they prayed for miracles, they got them. I just wonder, this is for more for you to think about, and maybe we can talk about this later, but is it possible that we don't see miracles because we don't ask for miracles? When's the last time you prayed for something miraculous? beyond anything that anybody could have reasonably expected to have happened. Have you ever actually had a story where you just believe the only way to explain what happened was that God did it, and it's a miracle, and I give him the glory? It's just something powerful just about saying, God, I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. I know the good that you want to bring into this world, and I'm going to pray for you to do something that no one else will have an explanation for other than that you did it. I'm going to pray for miracles. And this is a cool thing. You can go ahead and read through Acts if you've never read it before. I would say you should do that because when you go through it, you see God answered their prayers. Peter went out, and he started healing people. Uh, he healed a guy who was lame. He raised a lady from the dead in a church. He, there was a point where people who were sick were just laid out on the ground, and the shadow of the apostles falling across them healed them. Later on, people would give up their old way of life. Some people gave up sorcery. People had demons cast out of them. People turned to the stuff that Paul had touched, healed people when they touched it. God did miraculous things. You go, I don't know how to explain it other than this is just a God doing these amazing things. And I think that God wants to do that now. You just need to be thinking right now, what is it in my world that's broken that I need God to fix and no one else is going to? Come on. Is there something in your world right now that you aren't even thinking about praying because you just haven't really considered that God might be able to or want to do something about it? Is there a health issue that you're dealing with that you should just be talking to God about? Is there something in your marriage or in your relationship that you just think this is irretrievably broken, it's just gonna have to be what it is? 
Is there something in a friendship? Is there something in a relationship that you need to take to God and say, I can't fix this. I've tried everything I know how to do. I'm gonna have to leave this to you, but I firmly believe you can create the world. You can fix this mess. Is there something in in even our society that you should be praying about? Is there a friend or a family member of yours who is so far from God you just assume, you've just already written them off to an eternity without God and you don't even pray about it? Maybe you ought to change your mind about that. Maybe you ought to be praying so specifically that there's a miracle that later this summer, this friend that you can never imagine even darkening the door of the church is actually in the water and you're getting ready to baptize them into Jesus Christ. Do you ever even think that way? Do you ever pray that way? Do you ever realize that God does this kind of stuff all the time? This is the kind of thing that when you take your prayers up to the next level, you're like, I don't know if I can do that. Let God challenge your faith and trust him. If God can do what he has done before, the reason this is in the scripture and given to us is so that we can see the kinds of things God has done, is doing, and will do. And you need to be asking him for this. Today could be a day where, man, some powerful prayers get prayed. We're gonna sing another song here as we close out this service, and it's a time for maybe you to start saying some really honest things to God, some bold things to God, things you never maybe even imagined you would find yourself asking him for. And you might be thinking, uh, but what if I ask and he says no? What if I actually even tell somebody else I prayed for this and then he doesn't do it? Am I like disappointing somebody's faith in God? Don't make excuses for God. Remember what the prayer said? God is sovereign, right? He gets to do whatever he wants. Let him decide what he's going to do. You just ask and let him figure it out but have the faith and the trust to ask him. Have the belief that he can do more than you could ever ask or imagine even. Just let the Holy Spirit take over where you let off in your prayers. Today is a day where I just, here's what I want from you. If you're ready, I want you to pray some bold prayers. I want you to take some, some steps toward God that you maybe never imagined that you would before. I want today to maybe be a day where you actually put a a pin on the calendar, on the timeline, you write a note in your phone to say, this is the day that I prayed for something I never thought I would see, but God came through. Are you ready to do that? Let me pray for you right now. Father, I am so thankful that you listen to us when you pray, that when we just simply humble ourselves and open our hearts to you, that, that you see what's in there. Holy Spirit, you take where we start and you just you just even pray for us so much better than we could on our own. Today, we're, we're just asking you for things that we've just given up on. We're asking you for things that we think are impossible. We're asking you to do things that will change the world. We know that eventually it's all gonna be made new and restored and made right, but we're asking you to do it now, just even as like a taste of what's to come. Help us to be bold. Help us to be brave in our prayers, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.